the Trailer Island podcast. Yeah, it's another week. Woo! Yeah. We've just come off the uh, the Oscars were over recently, and this film that we're going to talk about got a sneaky little win, didn't it? It, did. it, it terrified me. It, ter- it terrified me. It's the best horror movie of it the is. year. It is. What, are we all talking about the same? Oh, I think, I think so. we are. Yes, yes. We'll get into that. But yeah, yeah. no, you're right. It did oh, get okay. a it did get a sneaky Oscar win. Yes, yeah. yeah. Probably not the one that we probably all thought that it should have got. I mean, it certainly got the one that we thought it should get. But, but it should have got, got more. more. Yes, it should have yeah. got more. Yes. Would we agree with that? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, given the Oscars had its worst ratings in, I think, its history, you know, <laughs> does it even matter anymore? I don't know. I don't, still like surely, the awards. Surely what matters is what we think, our yeah. own opinions. I enjoy the awards still. And that's, and you're allowed to. That is fine. And you know what? I would like an Oscar one day. Yeah. Oh, no. If they offered me one, I would I would take it. So would I. Yeah, definitely. They get great gift packs, apparently. <laughs> they do, don't they? Yeah. Uh... Mm. Okay. Do you reckon it's just like Blu-ray copies of all the films that have been nominated? VHS <laughs> copies. VHS copies, yeah. Yeah, yeah but they're all gold. Mm, delicious. <laughs> it's all terrible quality chocolate wrapped up in the uh, in the Oscar statue foil of this. <laughs> like what, like an Easter bunny kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, like, would... like home brand Easter bunny. Oh, yes, I'd have one. Yeah. So anyway, we are the Trailer <laughs> Island Podcast. I'm Alex, and this week I'm joined, as always, by... Uh, who am I? I don't know. Who, who, are you, who am I? Are you trying... Oh, I see what you're doing here. I'm Who's joined you? by Steve. We're joined by Steve, yes. And we're also joined by Matthew. Matthew, Wait, speak. I'm pointing so, to you. So that's Steve. Correct. You're... Alex. Right. And that's Prudence's husband. Right. You remember what Prudence? A, what Prudence a, came and saw you later she today. She did. She gave me a chicken. A chicken. Right. She gave you chicken. And who, and what about me? Who am you, I? You're Matthew. Oh, am I? No, sorry. We, you know, well, let's, let's you're going to make on. me cry if, yeah, you keep, okay. if you keep rolling with this charade. <laughs> Probably, it's probably a joke in very poor taste as well. <laughs> uh, who would like to introduce this week's film? Oh, oh, I, I, oh, 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 oh no, no. You, you know what? You, you got there first, Steve. You go for it. Okay. Uh, this week we are talking about the Oscar-nominated film, The Father. Date of birth? Friday, 31st of December, 1937. You're living with your daughter at the moment? Yes, until she goes to live in Paris. No, Dad, why do you keep going on about Paris? She told me. No, I didn't. I'm sorry, and you told me the other day. Have you forgotten? She's forgotten. Paris. They don't even speak English there. Dad, I'd like you to meet Laura. How oh, do you do, sir? I say, you're gorgeous. Thank you. I must say, he's charming. Yeah, not always. Laura has come round to help you. I don't need her or anyone else. I can manage very well on my own. Everything all right? Who are you? Actually, it's me, Paul. Who? I live here. What is this nonsense? Anne? It's me. Ah, there she is. Your father seemed a bit confused. Something wrong? Where's Anne? Sorry? Anne, where is she? I'm here. What's the matter, Dad? Strange things going on around us. Don't worry. Everything will sort itself out. Saw it in his eyes, didn't know who I was. It was like I was a stranger to him. Just did something to me. I don't know what she's cooking up against me, but she's cooking something up. What are you talking about, Dad? I'm not leaving my flat! I am not leaving my flat! This really is my flat. Isn't it? You see, the situation is very simple. My daughter is of the opinion that I cannot manage on my own. I'm so sorry about this. Why? She understands perfectly. is important. I explained it all to you. Why do you keep looking as if there's something wrong? Everything is fine. 
I think she tries to do the best she can for you, Anthony. Everything will be all right. I promise you. There's something funny going on. Worst trailer of the year. I, I, I think I know where you're coming from. Yeah. That trailer does... Uh, it does imply perhaps some comedy that is not yeah. present in this in this movie. I remember seeing this trailer for the first time a few months ago and thinking, oh, this is going to be a really nice, like, daughter, father, drama, you know, both coming to terms with this illness. That trailer there gives off a little bit of, like, well, there's a little bit of mystery sort of thriller elements to it. Okay, and, yep. and and it is it is not that at all. Well, it gives the idea that there's something mysterious is a foot yeah but, the f- but i reckon that that's a pretty good representation i feel no. like of the film to, I, me, to me it is like it, okay there's a there's a line in there you know they have reviews within the trailer itself and it says a powerful piece of storytelling and that you cannot deny uh, you know it's probably one of the first times i've seen that quote and i think that's you know something like in that vein is thrown mm. around in reviews it's the first time i've seen that and gone no that that is 100 percent accurate mm, yeah. it's mm. they nailed that one i thought this was terrifying like, I thought this was an actual horror film. The way they portray Dementia in this film is it is anxiety-inducing. At times, it is almost like he's in some kind of haunted house mm-hmm. because he'll... Mm-hmm. Well, look, we should actually get to the premise before we get, get too, yeah. too ahead of ourselves. Our main character, Anthony, played by Sir Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. is in his early 80s and he's suffering from either dementia or Alzheimer's. Is it dementia or sure. Alzheimer's? Are we, cause I'm they not are sure which one it things. is. Yeah, we're, not- we're certainly not doctors, but the film doesn't... <laughs> The film doesn't get into that about exactly what he's got. Yeah, exactly. It's just quite clear that he is beginning to forget. Yeah, people. Yeah, and as a result, he'll you know he'll go into the kitchen to to do something, and forget that someone else is in the house and hear a noise and think there's an intruder. And I think that that kind it's such a that the clever thing that this film does, and everyone's raving about this aspect of it is that I think a few films have tried to analyse this horrible disease and sort of look at the effects of it. But this is probably one of the first films that deals with it from the point of view mm-hmm. of the person actually suffering from it. Yeah. And as a result, it is absolutely terrifying because I think it's fair to say that as far as I'm concerned, you can't predict if you're going to come down with this yeah. illness. Uh, I think you can get like genetic testing. To, right. Yeah. But the idea that you know, you could get to your 80s and, and then you would suffer the same way that the character Anthony does in this film is absolutely horrifying. Mm-hmm. Ab- mm-hmm. And also just the effects on all your love. Like, it's such a horrible situation. It, it, it may be the sort of thing that you can be aware when it first starts. Like, yeah. you can have that lucidness yeah. that things are starting to go downhill. Mm. But, of course, you just start to lose that and you're well, just no longer aware. My dad was te- my, my dad loves this film as well. And he was telling me about a um, Louis Thoreau documentary about the illness and he was talking to someone and he was saying how when did you know that you first had this disease and apparently the guy said well i went home from work and got lost and forgot where i was and he was just on his normal commute home and it's all like those suddenly you just have that realization of i've forgotten where i am it's 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 like that idea of you know you go into a room to get something or do something and you forget what it is when you get to the room but obviously, like a hundred times worse. I imagine it would be a horrible, horrible yeah. thing to deal with. Yeah. I I once spent a lunch with family, like friends of my family from a long time before I was born. The mother, she's quite an older lady at this point, had I'm um, a dementia or Alzheimer's. I'm mm-hmm. quite sure it's dementia. Her long term memory, so she knew who her family was, but outside of that, nothing. Yeah. 
and it was almost every 30 seconds her daughter was having to explain who we were mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and that was just a lunch and i just felt i was just like this must this is just horrible yeah, yeah. and but the film itself like you say it, giving it from the perspective of the person who's actually suffering you yourself as the audience member trying to work things out and going hang on but is this this oh but oh that's that mm. but the film does such a great job of confusing you too yeah but not in a way that makes you feel dumb it gives you the right perspective on that confusion yeah if one, you will. one of my favorite moments that illustrates that point so well is Anthony coming down a corridor towards the the dining room and he hears his daughter and her husband having a conversation which is about putting him in a nursing home and he comes around the corner and he and they get upset but the first time he comes around the corner all the plates on the table are empty the food hasn't been served yet and he comes in and sits down they have dinner then he goes off to get um, a second helping from the kitchen. When he comes back, they have exactly the same mm. conversation. Like mm. it's the same performance repeated apart from the dinner has been served. So you go, well, it couldn't have been the same conversation. But what I'm hearing is exactly the same. So it's that, I guess, deja vu and confusion yeah. that someone suffering yeah. from this would go through. It makes it very visceral. And you as an audience member are trying to go, you, you know, you understand film to a, even a basic level. You go, well, there must be some reason behind it. And I don't think there is. I think it's just he's just really confused. Yeah. To add to that and cut this out if it ends up being too spoily, what helps with that is the filmmaker tries to come at the story from Hannah's. Is it Anne? Anne. Anna Hannah. Anne. Anne. <laughs> he tries to come at it from Anne's perspective a lot of the times, but this movie is completely and utterly from Anthony's perspective. Yes. This 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 doesn't have... You know, even even though we're getting cutaways of of Anne's life, this is entirely from Anthony's perspective. And I think the film's very good at that because it, it, it you know, th- this film is more of an examination of the effects of all of this, obviously on the people who are trying their best to look after their loved ones. And I think the film is encouraging you to not judge them too harshly, especially in this film, Anne and her husband. I He has about three names yeah. in the film, so, so, I, so I don't know which one to use because Anthony keeps forgetting what his name is. But um, the, the you know the husband is getting quite frustrated at mm-hmm. times, and again, I don't want to mention a, sp- a particular moment that even I'm actually still confused as to who that's actually meant to be in that moment. It's hard to go yeah. any further. That moment aside, I think the film is asking you to forgive the husband for getting frustrated with this because it's a, it is a horrible situation. But on the flip side, the genius of it being from Anthony's perspective is you still want to go. If only he could explain himself yeah, to this husband. Yeah. The husband would understand, like, oh, sorry, this is difficult. And obviously being his daughter is a lot more forgiving. But this husband's coming from the point of view of she's doing so much for you mm-hmm. and you, you almost forget that she's doing going to all this effort for you. I mean, we should also mention that like part of the, the issue in this mi- miscommunication is the fact that Anthony does have an ego on him. Like he, oh, he yeah. still believes he can get around by himself. He he still thinks that he's completely intact. Fact, uh, like, and, and that's it, that's the sadness yeah, of the illness, isn't it? Exactly. That, well, they forget they're ill, don't they? And they become and he becomes so mean mm-hmm. as well. And you can see, and Olivia Coleman just seriously, yeah, oh, so good. She she's in hot fuzz. You know, I know. She, I she can't is, believe that. <laughs> she's been uh, around the office a few times. times. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, 
Oh, what an amazing uh, range that is. Nothing like that a little is. bit of girl on girl. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, her range is absolutely incredible because she won um, Best Actress, I believe, a couple she of years did, ago. Yeah. The um, favorite for the favorite, which I haven't actually seen yet. Mm. To have two actors of the ability of Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman is must the, the director must have been pinching himself. You, you, the, the menace mm. that yeah. Anthony Hopkins is able to bring across in yes. this is just so for 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 a guy that's what 83, mm. 83 and the the fear that he can induce in you as a I mean yes we know him as Hannibal Lecter and all mm. those sort of things but you can. It, behind this confused face that he has, you can see this deep understanding of the character in itself where he has just got this simmering, yeah. almost it's this rage that is sitting there because he is so frustrated with what's yeah, going on yeah. around him. You never and know he lashes he's out. Ex- yeah, you never his, know when he's going to explode. And his comfort is lashing out at his daughter that is doing so much for him. And mm. you can just see the pain on her on her eyes. Oh, there are a few face. moments. I think there's one... Uh, I, I am actually quite conscious, I should say, about not ruining the ending <laughs> of this movie. Um, so I'm trying to like pick examples from the first half, at least, where you're still learning as the film goes on just how severe his his problems are. But there's a wonderful moment where he's talking about... So he, The film kind of establishes he's got two daughters. Whether or not he actually does, that's open to debate. But there's a scene earlier on in the film where he's talking about his other daughter and how much he loves this other daughter and how better she is compared to Anne, who's the one who's looking after him and yeah. all of this. And you can just see her face is... She's clearly heard this rant a hundred times, mm. but it still hurts, despite the, the fact that she knows that he's ill. He probably doesn't mean what he's saying, but it just you can tell that it's just killing her inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's... the. Olivia Coleman manages to get all of that across in her performance without saying a single word. It's absolutely incredible. I remember five years ago going to see uh, a free screening of this movie <laughs> called Still Alice with Julianne Moore and Alec Baldwin, which sort of delved into what happens in a relationship when someone comes down with early onset Alzheimer's. That that film really digs into the the American like melodrama of it all. Oh, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, and and like most American films do, manages to find a silver lining at the end despite mm. this this character's fall into that. Yeah. This this doesn't. I, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler, but this is a very oblique look at No, I'm glad you've brought that up because I was reading an interview with the director. Oh, by also, by the way, the director of this film wrote and produced the original play upon yeah, which so this, ba- this film. Yeah, so based on a play. Based, and when you watch it, you could, I could easily see how this Absolutely. could have been on, so on Florian, stage. So Florian Zeller. Yes, he's a French director. Um, wrote the original play of The Father and he yeah. adapted the screenplay along with Christopher Hampton. Not that it sounds like I'm referring to notes here as I turn <laughs> away from the microphone. Uh, but they developed the screenplay together. Yeah. And you can see this film... Is perfect. You can see how it's written for stage. Yeah, absolutely. And I was reading a, uh, an interview of this this director because this is his first film, and um, I've forgotten my point now. <laughs> Hold on, what was I saying? Steve, we might have to get a doctor into. Oh God! No, I've legitimately forgot. This isn't. This is, I know it's quite fitting. You were re- you were reading an article. Oh, I remember. Yes. Oh, wow. We can cut that. Oh, Please cut. No, us. no, no. We're keeping that. That was I. That is not a joke. I legitimately forgot. I am not trying to be insensitive. You are so insensitive. Oh no, that's going to look. You're so... on the Trailer Island podcast. Oh, I was. I am. You've actually gone bright red. I, I well, I I care about this movie, and I don't want to make fun of anyone who's suffering from this condition. I legitimately forgot my points. Anyway, let's just move on. <laughs> I was reading an interview with this director and he was saying, very similar to the point you've raised, he was sort of like, 
he didn't want to fool people who were going into this movie to think that there's going to be some magic cure for this condition. Mm. You know if you're going to see a film about someone suffering from this condition or if you know someone who's suffering from this condition, unfortunately, there's no cure for it. They, they just get worse. Mm. And so the film, that's kind of the point of the movie is it examines basically that journey. And I think it does that quite well. It, it doesn't. It never tries to go. Oh, but what if the, you know Tom Cruise is going to come in and invent some magic cure <laughs> yeah, because yeah. of science? You well, know? I part of me is part of the the journey through watching this film. Hope that we would get an answer of sorts to the confusion that was going on. And and I think we do. We do. But it also doesn't force an answer down your throat mm. either. Mm. It kind of leaves you. Uh, just just sitting there and thinking about the movie. Oddly enough, I was getting like moment, uh, memento vibes. I was like, oh yeah. I feel like I want to sit down after this film and sort of start piecing these these broken memories together. It's, I, it's funny. I, I, I absolutely agree. And there are, again, without ruining the ending, there are actors who, shall we say, play multiple characters mm. due to his illness. He's misplacing faces onto people. And part of me does want to sit down. Um, I think you mentioned earlier to me, Steve, we were talking about this, like having some kind of, table or net flowchart flowchart yeah yeah, and you could but i don't think the film is actually set out like that i think the film is deliberately broken Mm -hmm. because that's how he's perceiving the world i think that he's he's misremembering stuff you know there's stuff that we see happen that probably didn't happen there's a there's a circular conversation that happens right in the middle of the film that's there Mm. for that specific purpose exactly yes do you think it would be possible is it the sort of thing that we can see in a week or two where someone on youtube's going this is how the timeline of the father works but i hope not because i like i say i don't think there is actually a set timeline. i mean how many times do they have chicken in this, that's like several. That is all they eat, apparently, and that you know they keep going every time. And for and all we know, it could just be the one event. Exactly, it could be the one chicken, mm. and we and that's why the, I, I think much like a magic trick. If you explain the timeline of this movie too much, I think you'll ruin it. Mm. And I think this is one of those movies where let's just accept the fact that we're looking at the world through the eyes as best as we can imagine through the eyes of someone suffering from a terrible illness, and just appreciate how horrible that is. I mean, I think this film I think is a it's a message to people who look after people like that. It's kind of a I don't know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's I don't know if there's much positivity to actually take away from it. I, I understand <laughs> what you're saying there. And 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 I do I do agree with it to an extent, but it is it is something that because now it's been put on screen, I want to I want to sit down. I actually want to figure out whether the the spinning top does fall over. Right, yeah. and I want to do that because now I've got an opportunity to actually—that's the film version. I can now go see the play version, which at the moment I really want to do. I want to see what changed in the adaptation between stage and screen. Yeah, I think this particular film um, would be an excellent example to examine. I do know that in the play, um, that I read it was staged in a way that you have multiple rooms of this apartment laid out on stage for you. And as the play goes on, basically the 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 flat gets smaller and smaller until he's left in just one room at the very end of the that's play. That's awesome. And that's how apparently... I, I would love to see this play because I think it would be incredible. I think it'd be incredibly claustrophobic to see this on stage. Mm-hmm. Probably mm-hmm. more so than the film. I think schools will be looking to pick this one up for their um, drama. I don't yeah. know that I would go see it. <laughs> I, I worked on a play called Perish the Thought and that was all about where it was a father and a daughter and he was slowly losing his mind. And even though you see it a hundred times, there are still moments in the show where you just go, 
oh man, this is this <laughs> yeah. is heavy. And of course, you've got an audience sitting right in front of you. You know, obviously, I was up up in the back, certainly not on stage. God, <laughs> and you can see people's reactions to these feelings. You know, there are people in the room who have experienced this for real, and it makes me wonder if you have lived this life where you've seen a family member fall to this. Mm, yeah. Is it a film that you would recommend them see? I mean, I've, I've talked to elderly gentlemen since I've watched this film, uh, trying to recommend it to them, and they, they have said that it maybe hits too close to home for them. I have read a few reviews in The Guardian, who are, and, the, and the reviewers there have actually said, maybe don't show this to... You know, older people like seventy over yeah. because it might just it, it, again. Like, I agree. I legitimately think this is a horror film. I really do, and I think this is too scary. I mean, I, I'm only twenty five, and I found it terrifying. And other than completely forgetting my point earlier on, my memories <laughs> my memories more or less okay at the moment. But I, I found this film absolutely petrifying. So, and I think if you were, you know, you could be perfectly healthy. I just think you know, you know, like when you watch, you know, let's say The Conjuring, which is just a supernatural horror film. But you still go to bed that night thinking, is there something in the house? Yeah. This film... Is there still something in the mind? Exactly. Like, could this be me 50 years down the line? You just don't know. I find that... I don't want to be morbid. You just, I just think that's a terrifying thought. That's the third time you've made that point yeah. in this recording. Mm. Wait, who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> but talking about you watching people's um, reactions to this, uh, that play you were a part of, mm. I'm very glad I was able to see this in a very dark room Oh, because I cried so much oh, right. and I have no shame in admitting that. I think I cried at least... The f- I've seen it twice. That's how much I like this movie. Well, that's the problem with seeing it in a cinema, isn't it? That, well, yes, exactly. That, you and know, you've got to pick your spot if you don't want people to spot you bawling <laughs> your yeah. eyes out. Thank- <laughs> Thankfully, because of the pandemic, you are kind of separated. But like the first one was more of a silent cry. I was like, I can get away with that. But the, the last one at the end of this movie, I was quite loudly sobbing. I, th- I was quite conscious of it. Oh, don't but, bring the lights up. Don't bring the yeah, lights up. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and then the second time I went to see it, um, I thought I'd be fine because I knew what happened. But no, it still still got still got me. Yeah. Mm. I think any, any movie, I, I'm with you on this, but any movie that has... An older bloke that bursts in the tears is oh, always, yep. that's yeah. always fodder. Yep. Especially always Anthony fodder. Hopkins. I mean, oh, not him. And yeah. I just, well, we started the, we started our podcast tonight. We're talking about this one in Oscar. And yeah. I don't think it's any spoiler to say that he won the best actor Oscar for this film. Which I was surprised. I thought Riz Ahmed was a really good shoe in for that belt watching yeah. this. Yeah. I'm like, this, this is absolutely deserved. Nomadland won Best Picture. And I don't want to over di- this. I don't want to disparage Nomadland. I mean, I made my opinion on that movie quite clear in the episode we did, and it's it's an interesting piece of filmmaking. It's got mm. that semi-documentary, semi-drama. It's it's very interesting. It didn't make me cry like this though, and no. and I wasn't expecting to cry like this. It just I was sitting there going, "No, hold it together, hold it together," and then it just yeah, like if a film can do that, if a film can draw you in that much, that's just such good storytelling. Because well, I, I was thinking it much like you were saying. And Nomadland is a, a single character and you're following their journey. This is exactly the same. Mm, but mm. I found this so much more engaging than Nomadland. I, I agree. I just... And I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it's because of just the Nomadland, because it's about, you know, her journey. She feels quite isolated. It's it's a very... Well, it's funny because so's Anthony in this. He's very isolated as well. Yeah. So I just think this... Yeah, no, I think these films... <laughs> Uh, quite good comparison, and I think I do think that this one, The Father, is a much better movie. 
I think it's better written, better scripted, better constructed. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, better for me, acted. Well, for me, the, the best film is still Sound of Metal, but this is a very close second because what it, it, they've done so much with so little. You know, it is it is a a character drama set in one place. It is surprisingly simple. It is very simple yeah. and so terrifying, so scary, so anxiety inducing. Mm. And Eddie, we're talking about maybe five characters at most focusing on two. Yes, it yeah. is. I, 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 I haven't seen anything this scary since Get Out or like or <laughs> Saw One. Sure, but this for me was almost a horror film. Yeah. Without the blood. But it's funny, talking about horror movies, and you mentioned how um, Anthony Hopkins has that rage burning inside yeah. him, yeah. and he is quite yeah. scary at points. I, this is he, he is a terrific actor. I'm never going to try and take him down from that, but this is the first movie mm. I've seen where not once did I think of a, a relation to him as Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Like right. even in Westworld, and, and even when he was younger, like in um, A Bridge Too Far, I still look at him and go, that's Hannibal Lecter. But in this movie, I was like, no, though, that's... Even if, I mean, look, he, his character is called Anthony and apparently him and the director had a discussion, the idea just being that he would have to pretend less if the director could use his real name when talking to him. And so maybe sometimes I look at it and go, that's just Anthony Hopkins. And I'm sure he's not that decrepit in real life. But I would hope not. I hope not. But he is 83. But anyway, I was just glad to, to finally see a movie that's strong enough and a performance that's different enough that I would forget that he was he was Hannibal Lecter for about three movies. Because the only other Oscar he's won, I think, is for Silence of the Lambs. I believe so. I believe, yeah. He's a Like I say, he's a terrific actor. I'm, every time I see Daniel Craig, I think of James Bond. You know, that's not going to change. But it's just, yeah, it was it was cool for me to, to watch this and go, where's, you know, Clarice Starling or anything like that. <laughs> I think that's where <laughs> some of the power of his performance comes from as well. Is we, We've seen him as, you know, Hannibal Lecter and Dr. Robert Ford in Westworld, and, and those mm. are both... Arguably, you know, megalomaniacal sort of characters, <laughs> and and here we have an old man who's frail, and mm. and we we see the extent of that frail frail form, yeah, and a frail mind, incredibly vulnerable. Yeah, there's a sequence where he, well, one of many, but there's without saying what happens because I think it's one of the more powerful moments in the film. Mm. There's a sequence where he does get quite upset because his daughter's in the other room and and he's with another character, and it's. He goes through he goes through such a switch of emotion, mm. very somehow very subtly, but also very quickly, and it's very very powerful. And it's actually my one of my biggest complaints of this movie is it doesn't stay in that scene for longer. Yeah, it's horrible to watch. It's it's not a you know it's not like a pleasant thing to see this this old you know sweet old man for the most part this upset. But um, yeah, I do wish that the scene had lingered on that to I don't know maybe just examine it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, perhaps before we wrap up, there's a few things that I'll quickly touch on is that cinematography, beautiful. beautiful. Lighting, beautiful. Yeah. Sound and soundtrack itself, like that, it's very subtle. Yeah. Very, yeah. very subtle. I do music like how this. most of the music, and it's not always the case, but most of the times we hear music, it's because it's coming out of a radio or someone's got headphones on. Mm. Um, it's only really towards the end of the movie that, that the soundtrack becomes a little more traditional. But I, I enjoy, like you say, it's very subtle. It's nothing's overdone. Nothing. Nothing's kind of like just for the sake of being dramatic. One thing I did notice in the credits is there's a very large VFX crew on this. Yeah, I noticed that too. I don't. I'm assuming f- fake <laughs> walls in the apartment. I maybe? guess. Maybe. <sighs> I don't know. It's interesting. Like I felt like sometimes when I was looking at some people's faces when they were close to each other, that there was something going on. Ah. But I wasn't sure. I'm so like, I'm yeah, hoping okay. that there, that we get some sort of VFX breakdown at some point because. Yeah. 
for a film that looks like this, it shouldn't have a big, as big a VFX crew as it did. I, I think you're right. I think there's a bit of trickery going on that we don't mm. know about. Because the film has this constant, beautiful, pastel color palette. Yeah. And I'm just going like, you've got to be adding stuff here. You've got to be adding curtains or something. And actually yeah. thinking about it as well, that I, while I was watching this with my wife, and <laughs> imagine the attention to detail that had to go into the costumes. That's what I was about to say. There has and to be something going on with Anne's shirt because that, that, <laughs> is, that is a focus on screen a lot of the time. And I was like, I was watching this movie and I'm going, oh, it's a blue shirt again. Oh, it's a blue shirt again. Oh, she's got a white shirt on. Oh damn! What's going on here? Yeah, it's funny. It is one of those movies where you could hear a penny drop, though. I mm. feel it's not. It's Absolutely. not. It's not like you know, Mortal Kombat. You'd go to. I, I wouldn't, but um, you know, if, <laughs> if but if you would, you would go. You'd have your your your, your popcorn or your crunchy snacks, yeah. and it wouldn't matter if you got you know a group of friends sort of snickering at the jokes. So, you know, this is a completely different kind of movie. It mm. forces you to listen to ambience. Yeah, and and pay attention. I think mm. a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's only ninety minutes, so it's not like it's a. Well, I was really relieved. It's, a, it's an emotional slog, but at least it only goes on for 90 minutes. It was just a tight, concise story. It didn't fluff about it. It just told the story, which was good. Now, we have to give this something out of five. Chickens. Chickens. So we all chickens. agreed on chickens. Watches. Or, uh, yes, yeah. the watches. How frustrating was it every time uh, one of his every, watch wasn't there? You see like, him uh, looking for it. Yeah. It's like, oh, mate, don't worry about your watch. I, oh, this movie did things to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. So out of chickens, who would like to go first? <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll go first if, if that's all right. I'll, I'll talk into the mic. That'll help. I was keen to see this because I because I love Anthony Hopkins. He's a great actor, and that's one of the chief reasons I went to see Westworld was because he was in it. And again, we see that trailer, and I, I think like you, Steve, I was expecting. I mean, maybe not so much light-hearted because it is about a very heavy topic, but I was expecting a more comedy. You know, there are sequences in this film where he's. You know, showing off, doing a bit of a pretending to do a bit of a dance, and the and the trailer cuts it in a way that suggests it's going to be a little more of like a madcap adventure. Mm. The film is not that. Yeah. And and when I was recommending this to my parents, I said, "Go see this film. It is not a happy movie. Mm. Like, I don't want you to go in there thinking that you're going to have just a nice drama. Like, no, this could potentially depress you. Yeah. And it is actually quite a depressing movie. I won't say much more other than what we've already said so so far in the the episode because I was blown away by this. It's one of my favourite films, I think, of the last 10 years easily. Mm-hmm. Loved it. It's a five. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good rating. Mm. Five. So, can I go first? Because um, I just... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Sorry. Stop making fun of the movie. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to give it a five as well. Yeah. I just I can't I can't fault it. Didn't give me a laugh, but it gave me cry. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a criticism would be that the trailer is misleading. But I think if the trailer had really represented the film, it, people probably wouldn't want to see it. Yeah, it's depressing. Yeah. yeah. But then again, you know, uh, is the trailer lying to its audience just to get people to watch? So it's it, I can understand it's a hard line that they have to they have to crawl on to work out what works. So that would be my only criticism. But the film, I I will see this again at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know when. <laughs> I don't know where. I don't know when. But, yeah, it's just, it's a phenomenal piece of film. Yeah. There's nothing nothing more to say. It's five. Yeah. Five chickens. Uh, five for me as well. Hey. Look at that. Look five at that. I well. feel like I should have a sound for a 15 out of 15. Mm. I, I'm of, I, usually of the opinion that if something's a stage play and it gets sort of ported over. There oh, we go. Oh, Sorry. oh, there it is. A bit delayed, but that's okay. <laughs> Where are these people coming from? <laughs> I, I'm usually of the opinion if something's a stage play and it gets a- adapted over to, to film, it's, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be great, 
but uh, there's a reason it's a stage play for you know, and mm. and, and, and a movie's completely different form. This absolutely utilizes the filmic form, and it 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 would be one of the rare examples that would and if maybe even should have won best film of the year. Yeah. It was it was so well put together and mm. it's it's hard to get me terrified. <laughs> All right. But this disease terrifies me. This mm. the way it's portrayed on screen terrifies me. It's everything that I was afraid of about this disease. Mm. Um and and Anthony Hopkins and uh, Olivia Coleman and Mark Gaddis and uh, they are they're just all phenomenal and it's in the space of less than 20 square meters mm. and and it is it is excellent it is fantastic if you I, I really want to caution anyone out there watching this it's a scary film and it's yeah. gonna give you anxiety and it's amazing like you say that adaptation from stage to screen this is a first time film director but yeah. like you say he has told it in this format you telling stories with pictures. Yep. He's he's adapted. It's not just, you know, like my my big beef with um, the Hateful Eight is that it's just a boring. It should have been on the stage because it's not done cinematically for me. But this film is, you know, you've got your close ups. That the, the camera is telling the story mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and that's for a first time film director. I think is incredible. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he did so well. That's all we have time for this week. Oh, sorry, Matthew. No, it's okay. Sorry to disappoint you. That Are was you playing the, fun- the intro music. Were we going to start again? I want a window. I want to be able to see a tree, maybe even some water. Welcome to the Trailer Island Podcast, where we compare films and their trailers. I'm joined by... Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> that was the father that got 15 out of 15. How about that? Is that Isn't first it? time this year? Uh, yeah, maybe. First, so. I'm pretty sure it's first time this year. Hot damn. Nothing else comes to mind. No. Do you remember anybody else? Anybody else who out there who's listening? Have we given fifteen out of fifteen to anything else this year so far? I don't think so. Can you remember any good films? Send them to us. Yes, of course we do. Requests anything out there at the moment? Anything that's coming out? Let us know. Send us an email. Contact at trailerisland.com.au. Visit the website. You can send it to the Facebook page as well. Send us a message via there. If you're enjoying the podcast, give us a five star rating on whatever you're listening to. There are heaps of platforms out there that we're on. Let your friends know that we're there as well because, uh, yeah, it's always great to have an expanding audience because then you can give us more ideas to do. Isn't yeah. that cool? We've got a couple of requests coming up, I believe, so we're I very excited so. about those. I think so. Yeah. Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> We've been the Trailer Island Podcast and this week, as always, I was joined by... Sir we... Anthony Hopkins. Oh, right, okay. And... The Chicken Man. The Chicken <laughs> We'll catch you next week on the Trail Island Podcast. Good night, everybody. Ta-ta. I think maybe I'll have two chickens. <laughs> Who was that meant to be? Sand Auckland Gang. This is a Narrative Network podcast.